Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode two of The Nosebleeds. We're back. I'm Matthew Coit. I'm Dustin Kagan Fleming. Look at that. We managed, we got a second episode up. Got a second episode. The pilot went through. The network loved it. Yeah, it's good. We got a problem on this podcast. Three-year deal, no trade clause. Uh, No move clause didn't go through, boys, but, you know, we did our best. We did our best tough negotiations with the boys. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, I made that I made that Rob Lowe joke because he's every time I see these ads for all these TV shows, I'm watching NBC, uh, NBC hockey. I swear to God, Rob Lowe is in every TV show. He's in the firefighter show. He's in the cop show. He's in the other cop show. Are those multiple shows? I assume they were all just like one weird universe centered. He's in one called The Rookie. He's in one called 911. And he's in one called Something Fire. Is it Chicago? Like it's like Chicago something. That's the yeah. thing. The next show is going to be Chicago hockey, team. Chicago hockey team because they're going to be more successful as a TV show than a hockey team. <laughs> Boom. Take that, Chicago. Exactly. What yeah. do you want to? What do you want to start with today? Was anything catching your eye first uh, couple days into the season? I honestly, I am so excited after the first like week or so, or we're about a week in with the North Division. This thing is awesome. I I was excited for it. And you know what, this, it it has exceeded my expectations so far. It's going to be, I really think it's going to be a bloodbath of a division. I I think that, I don't think teams are as, as distant as some people are saying from each other. I think there's, there's a lot of talent everywhere. You know, even I think everyone can agree. The senators are probably going to finish last in there. The senators beat the Leafs and the senators are going to win some games this year. They're not, they're not a terrible team. Like, no, I, I think. I mean, I mean, relatively speaking. Relatively, I think their defense is a garbage fire, dumpster fire. I think I don't trust their goaltending, but they've got a lot of young talent. And I think, I think for me, what's interesting is you're going to see teams know each other very well. You know, we talk about when teams meet up in the playoffs after playing four or five games a year. Oh, well, you know the tendencies of this and that. They're playing each other nine or ten times a year. You see that? Uh, I saw this meme that came across. You know that uh, Coach Sue meme from uh, Glee, which is yeah. I'm going to create an environment that is so toxic. Yeah. I saw one where they put both the Kachuk's faces on it. I... It's like, we are going to create an environment that is so toxic. <laughs> and I they can't have. Watch them go at each other. I can't oh, wait. I would love that. I mean, you know what? They're both fantastic players. I think, I think they're my favorite kind of agitators because I don't necessarily look at either of them as dirty. They play on the edge sometimes mm-hmm. for sure. They're fi- especially Brady, quite a physical presence, you know, but super talented. Uh, they'll get right in your head. They'll cause, you know, they'll get you off your game. They'll get you off your game. They'll do that. Mix it with skill without ever pulling some of the stuff you see from a guy like Marshawn, you know, like flying mm-hmm. elbows off to the whistle. You're not going to see that. You're going to see them toe the line for sure. But that, in this year, guys like them, guys like Gallagher getting under people's skin this year when you play 10 games and then two playoff series potentially. Mm-hmm. Oh, you could play a team 17 times this year if you get a seven-game that series. One. Can you imagine? Picture a Habs-Leafs seven-game series. Exactly. After playing each other 10 times. Picture like- a Calgary-Edmonton seven-game series. Picture a Calgary-Vancouver seven-game series. I just want to see... Kachuk and Cassian yell at each other. For <laughs> I think that the- I think that sorry not to interrupt, um, but I just think when I, I watched a lot of the West Coast games, which I mean, staying up that late, being on the East Coast, it's just brutal. 
I have so much respect for the analysts who do it. <laughs> if you have to cover a Canuck San Jose game and you're in like New York, respect to you because you're going to bet at 2 a.m. And then you're back up. And you're back up. And you're still writing the story. You, you might be pulling an all-nighter there. You've had some late ones. I remember, not to not to go back to the old days, but it was one uh, in, in our last year of uh, mm-hmm. covering university sports, covering the Met Concordia men's and women's uh, hockey teams. Both went to like double, I think the men's game for a playoff went to double overtime and the women's went to triple in back-to-back nights. The women's team, every time they played McGill or UDM, I think they played them a total of, oh God, how many teams? I want to say 16 times. There's yeah. only five teams in that division. So they play each team a bunch of times. I swear to God, every single game went to overtime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting home at 1 a.m. every night. Oh, it was, it's such fun hockey to cover, but by the end you're so, cause you're going to eight 30 class too, mm-hmm. if you go. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So like you said, respect to those West, to those, uh, to those covering the West coast games. And there's going to be a lot this year. There's going to be so much of that travel because, you know, half the division is playing in a different time zone. And I don't know this hockey, it's just good hockey to start to like, yeah, we're going to see some blowouts here and there because that's that's the nature of the mm-hmm. game. But, like, there's going to be so much overtime this year, too. It's it's a lot of like, fun. The moment Montreal and Toronto dropped the puck, I knew it was going to be, you know, I knew that game was going to go the way. All right. So, obviously, for this podcast, we're focusing on the North Division because uh, that's the teams that we primarily see and primarily cover. Um, just, like, I guess two games into the season is, is tough to kind of put any definitive statements down. But – Who's been a player in the North Division that's surprised you so far, for better or for worse? Um, I got to say two guys I'm thinking, just from what I've seen, are going to have real nice years. Uh, one we talked about last week is Josh Anderson. Mm-hmm. I mean, you cannot ask for a better start in Montreal for a guy like that. You know, two goals, but it's not just the production. The way he plays, you know, a lot of people talk about that contract. And the one reason I think that they that you have to pay a guy like that uh, with that kind of term is because he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a unicorn in the league. You know, there are not the only comparable I can really give in terms of, of what he can do is a guy like Tom Wilson to have that size and physicality with that skating ability. He's not just fast. He's a skilled skater. Like you break down his technique. It's really fantastic skating and he knows how to use it too. like to have that package. I, I expected good things. I didn't expect he, he jumped right off the screen for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and another guy looking out West that I think people have forgotten how good he is, especially after what he did last year and developed is Patrick Line. Oh, like, you, you still mind. That's, that's what I was going to go. <laughs> I just like, look, the, look, there's a lot of trade rumors and drama and this and that, like, regardless of that though, the guy has become so well-rounded as an offensive threat. You know, he's not just, a great shot and goal scorer. Like the guy can move the puck. Well, he's a good zone entry player now, or at least becoming a much better one than he was. Mm-hmm. And he's got, the, he's got one of the best shots in the league by a mile. Like when they were playing Calgary, his goal, I didn't recognize it was him who got the puck right away. And right? I just saw him wind up for that wrist shot. And I'm like, what idiot is going to take a wrist shot on a breakaway from top of the circle. And then he just fired that thing. Even in slow motion, you can't see where that you thing can't goes. See the shot. It's deadly. It's up there. I want to say him and Matthews probably have equal power on those wrist shots. I think what's interesting about both of them is how well, and especially Matthews with this, they can disguise a shot mm-hmm. because they have that quick change up on their release. And it's, it's so much fun to watch, you know, in the last few years, I've really tried to get into to the mechanics of a shot a lot mm-hmm. more. 
and you watch Matthews, especially you watch just the little changes, the little way he alters his release right before. And as a goalie, I don't know how you read that. I don't know how you read it. It's, it's such a tricky one. I, I was thinking a lot about the comparison between the two players and I don't think it's maybe a debate anymore that Matthews is arguably likely going to be the better player over the course of his career. And not to say Liney is not going to put up the crazy numbers and crazy goals or anything, but Matthews just probably has that skill set. that's a little bit more two-way, a little bit more well-rounded than Liney. But at the same time, like those guys went one, two, and I'm having trouble thinking of a, of a draft class where the players who were one, two were so similarly built and played with a similar fashion in the offensive zone. Mm. They both lined up in the slot. They're both big bodies. They both have crazy nice shots. I'm trying to think. I'm looking back at, like, the past decade, and the one-two have always kind of been different style players. And I think these two guys, it's such an apples-to-apples comparison almost of their skill sets to watch them, and especially this year, go head-to-head. It's going to be so much fun to watch. I really love that. Just a side note, I love that 2016 draft. I think that was, oh, yeah. you look at some of the talent that came out there, you know, we talked about those offensive threats, but then, you know, on, on defense, you got Sergachev, you got McAvoy, uh, you know, a lot of talent coming out of there. One guy that that's fallen a little under the radar, but I think could still make some noise, Clayton Keller um, hmm. over in Arizona. There's a lot of talent there, but, but online and Matthews, that's going to be fun to get to see them go against each other a little bit more, you know? Um it's wow, that, that was a really good draft. Yeah, you had Kachuk, Keller, Sergachev, Tyson Jost, McAvoy. Wow, yeah, a lot of good players in that first round. Yeah, okay, maybe not near the end, but like <laughs> <laughs> a little top heavy. Like, but, you got uh, Julian Gauthier and German rub stuff. There you go. There's oh. the, those are the studs Max Jones, <laughs> Riley Tuft, Tage Thompson. Yeah, okay. Anyway, <laughs> in terms of the talent, though, you're speaking of talent, I think what's going to be interesting to me in a shortened season where you're playing teams, uh, playing teams so many times mm-hmm. in the north, how much top talent versus depth matters? You know, what, what's going to come out? Is a team like Montreal versus Toronto, you know, does I, I think personally Montreal is a deeper team. I think you look at you look at the skill from top to bottom line as a total. I'd say Montreal wins on depth. I would say Toronto absolutely wins on top end skill. They're a little heavy there. You know what's going to win out when you're seeing a team so many times, when you're able to analyze a team after playing them ten times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have an answer because shortened season maybe the 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 higher skill where you know weighs out, but at the same time it's condensed. Right, you're not playing a team three times; you're playing them nine or ten. So familiarity comes a lot. I also think, man, being able to get inside a team's head, being able to live in there is going to be more of an advantage than ever. The Kachucks, Brendan Gallagher are going to have a lot of fun with that. I agree. I Watching John Tavares get mad in the crease at Brendan Gallagher is hilarious to me because he's, I will never not find a like, quote unquote, like emotionless person just getting really riled and red in the face. I will never not find that funny. <laughs> Like just just the deadpan answers in every interview, and then seeing him like huff and puff, and Brandon Gallagher laughing is hilarious to me. Um, I think another player that surprised me in in the same way that Liney kind of surprised us is William Nylander. Mm. 
for the first two games of the season, especially against Montreal, you know, despite what a lot has that has been said about him and his maybe his work ethic and his desire to be there and, you know, being money hungry or whatever, I think that stuff is so I don't get the criticism basic and like surface level to look at. I think if you look at guys who are making seven million a year, Nylander is probably at the top of that list in terms of skill. Less isn't he making like six point eight, six point nine? He's, he's making six point nine. I'm yeah, just rounding up a little bit. No, no, no. I'm just saying it's impressive yeah. to have that. Like you know, you're paying what Marner eleven million or so. You're paying Matthews. Like he is not. I, look, there there are issues with how Toronto has structured their team cap wise. In my opinion, I'm not 100%. saying don't pay your good players, but Nylander's not that issue. He's fantastic. I agree. He's he is like Line a in that sense, where you think he's going to be good, and then he surprises you even more. I don't exactly. I think the skill set he he showed, like I said, especially against Montreal, where he had, uh, you know, I think a three point night. It it just shows how talented he really is, and how valuable he is to this team. Without Willie Nylander, that team's second line is not that good. No, no, I think, I think he does so much of what the Leafs want their team to be. You know, he's such a driving force behind that sometimes. And I don't understand why, why Marner, for example, who is a, who's a great player as well, don't get me wrong, doesn't mm-hmm. get the same level of criticism as a William Nylander. You know, they're, they're both players that have some defects, sure. But I think in, in terms of just what you're going to get night in, night out, like Nylander is going to push the needle. Okay. He's going to push it like Marner does. I agree. And, and take a look. Here are some contract comparables from Willie Nylander. And we'll see where he ranks. Because I'm looking at it, and I probably have him at, have him at number two. William Nylander makes $6.9 million. Mm-hmm. Guys who make around that, you know, David Pashnak. You and me, of course. Yeah. Yeah, we, we're, we're around there, too. We're around there, too. You know? Yeah, we're making, like, 6. Point, I'm, I'm 6.7, personally, but, you know. Yeah, you know, I'm 6.6, but that's because I signed my deal a little bit before. I didn't really have my breakout year. I wanted to be above you in that deal. That was why I signed it at six. I was in the con, I was in the negotiation. You had to be above. Was, it has to be just a step above quite <laughs> just a little bit. I'm petty like that. <laughs> hey, you got David Pasternak, who, who is the better player. Yep. I, I think he's a top five player in the league. So, I mean, no you shame there. Top five player in the league. Maybe. I don't know. I said that. Maybe. Oh, top okay. 10. Okay. I'll, I'll you hear you. Kyle Connor. Great player. Great, Great player. player. I like the above, but, but he's, I mean, Kyle Connor is one of the more underrated. Close, it's close. You got Johnny Goudreau, Philip Forsberg, Clayton Keller, Jake Getzel, Brendan Saad, Drew Nikolai Ehlers, I guess Miko Ratman, but like that one doesn't really add up as much. He's making nine and a half, like just the way that contract structured that cap friendly makes some yeah. comparables. But in terms of just straight, uh, yeah, he's like at the top. Hit, of the- Nylander is in a great position cap-wise for the Leafs. I don't understand, you know, when you hear a lot of like, oh, who are we going to trade? Like, or how are we going to manage the cap? I don't understand how Nylander is even in those conversations. I don't, I don't understand either. He's the reason. Again, look, look at, look at this team's depth. Here. Look at this team's depth and tell me that Nylander off that team, you're going to find somebody who can replace them and replace that production. Yeah, you Wayne can't, Simmons can't can do that. On the second line. Who? Wayne Simmons is going to be fantastic. Oh yeah, that's great. That looks yeah. real good, guys. Joe Thorne, Wayne Simmons, and Jason Spezza on the 2007 squad. There We're it really is. Gonna have a good there one it here. Is. Man, it's yeah. I watching Joe Thornton in there. I you know, <laughs> I, 
I love Joe. I I have loved watching Joe Thornton's career, and I feel that he has been underrated as one of the greatest pastors of all time. He is, but man, that is not a place for him to be. That top line is not a place for him to be. He looked very slow. Yeah, which he is, and that's fine because he's forty whatever. Like, yeah, but man, like Sheldon Keith, Coach Keith, what are you, what are you doing there? What like what's I get it. You want a really great passer with a guy like Matthews. That makes sense. But like you do that on the power play. Maybe. You know who's a great passer? Mitch Marner. <laughs> yep. Like, why do you need to? <laughs> Mitch it's- Marner will get Matthews the puck. That's guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So let's look at the left wings for <laughs> Maple Leafs. <laughs> Can you name all four in the left wings? The left wings. Yeah. Um, so Joe Thornton. <laughs> Joe Thornton, number one. Joe Thornton. Um, uh, is Mikhaev playing right or left? He's on left. That's two. Yeah, Mikhaev. Okay, I thought so. Um, I'm trying to think. Everyone I'm thinking of is a right wing. Um, Simmons is playing on the right. Um, you got Jimmy Jimmy VC on the Jimmy second Vesey, line. I was on the right. Didn't he play on the right in Buffalo? Uh, he was he was a left in Buffalo, I, I believe. Okay, my bad, my bad. And you have Jimmy Alexander Barabanov. On the fourth line. Yeah. So, I mean, this team's strength is really in their big top five players. And And, that will carry them a long way. But at the same time... In my opinion, you've got one-sided D, you know. Yeah, you got Riley's really solid. Brody's pretty solid. Muzzin's really solid. That's a solid defense. And you have Justin Holt, who's not terrible. Travis Dermott, who I mostly like. Bogosian, we won't say anything. Moving on, uh, you know, just, there's like, issues in the roster. I, I think the big difference between a team like Toronto and a team like Montreal is is the way they're built. I'm just gonna pull up Montreal's depth chart real quick, but I think when you look at how each team decided to fill out their rosters, mm-hmm. I think the it, difference like is really night and day. Absolutely different philosophies. Toronto went with we have our young guys. We need guys who can stabilize down, like stabilize those lines, and that's what they went for. You got Spezza. You got Simmons, you got Thornton. That's what those guys are there for. Bogosian, I assume, was a similar philosophy ad. But Bogosian, if you look at it, we need another defenseman. Exactly. If you want to come up, let's do it. Oh shit, we've got to sign a guy. <laughs> but if you look at line. if you look at Montreal, the guys they I guess they didn't sign that many forwards this year. But uh like depth forwards, I mean. Tyler Defoli in the third line probably makes them one of the best third liners in the league. Absolutely. You know, on defense, um, as much as I don't think Edmondson is a great ad, he's not terrible. I think and we. Will, I think he's going to succeed more when inevitably he is marked like officially as a fifth or sixth defenseman. When when Romanov or Kulak take his spot, probably Kulak gets the left side D. Romanov plays both sides though. Then Romanov, one hundred percent. Like after his first game, which we'll it, talk a little bit more about Romanov later. I think but. if you put uh, my ideal Montreal Canadiens defensive pairings is um, Weber, Romanov, Sherratt, Petrie, Edmondson, Kulak. I would l- see... Like an offensive love guy and a defensive guy all the way down. Third line is just defensive. Yeah. I just, I love the Kulak-Petrie pairing. And I just, I don't know if Sherratt and Edmondson would work, so you probably can't do that. But yeah, I just really love the way that pairing was fantastic. No, so I, I meant um, Sherratt and Petrie. Uh, Romanov and Weber, and then Edmondson and Kulak together. Yeah, that could work. I could see yeah. that. That's just like get the big guys in the bottom. 
uh, add an offensive guy on each top two. So oh, it'd be fun. Anyways, I think I feel like we're ignoring a lot of the West Coast teams. Yeah. So far, <laughs> you want to talk about the Edmonton Oilers? Yeah, because you know what? There's another team where we could talk about top heavy, right? Yeah. Like they're going to live and die by their stars. They're in trouble now goaltending wise. You know, um, Smith is in some trouble there. Yes. I yes. <laughs> I don't get how teams still kind of think they can survive on middling goaltending. Like you don't need to. Yes. You, teams can win without a $10 million goalie. Sure, you can. I'm not yes. saying you need you need the, the cream of the crop. But is Mike Smith your guy? Uh, Miko Koskinen is their guy. He's, who, he's who's played so far this season. I'm pretty sure Mike Smith's on the IR. I'll be honest. No, no, no. He's just been moved to it. Yeah, um, okay. Mike Smith's there. Koskinen, I, I don't see Koskinen as a, a realistic that's, contending option. That's a, that's a Peter Shear rally special right there. Maybe oh, before you get fired, sign the goalie to a no-trade clause four-year deal. That's pretty – I love that. You that's like just room right when you're leaving. Fart in the room it's right amazing. when you're leaving the party. I <laughs> – but I don't – like you've got – I'm not saying, you know, the old strategy of build from the net out. I don't think that's a success story in the league right now. Yeah. But but you need either a really strong goalie, really strong to elite, and you can look at – or you need a great defensive system in front of them of an average goalie, or you need a great 1A, 1B. And you look at the finals of the last few years, Tampa's got maybe the best goalie in the league right now, definitely up there, Andre Vasilevsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw two really strong goalies in Dallas last year. Udobin really showed who he, like, who he can be. Bishop's put up some great numbers over the years. Um, you look at the defensive system in front of Bennington, who, you know, uh, it's not my favorite goaltender in the league by any means, but really great defense in front of him. Okay. That I, I had to pull up an audio clip. This is how I feel about the Edmonton Oilers, who have no depth, just two insanely good players, and a, and a third very good player. And I think this quote from Gilbert Gottfried, reading Fifty Shades of Grey, really encompasses Oh, I know exactly what's coming. Oh, boy. Holy fuck is this wrong! But holy hell is it erotic! <laughs> That's how I feel about the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> Oh, it's boy. not going to work. It but probably won't get them a championship, but holy hell, is it fun to watch? Yeah. It's, I, I love watching Connor McDavid work and Leon Dreisaitl as well. Don't get me wrong, but, but yeah. Connor McDavid, his speed is otherworldly. It's really incredible because he keeps getting faster. He keeps getting faster. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Do you see the video of him squatting? Yep. It's, 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 how is this guy the fastest guy in the league? It doesn't make any sense. He it, just does it night in and night out. His skating is so precise. It's it's ridiculous. And I think, you know, someone asked me a while back, like, what makes Connor McDavid good? What makes mm-hmm. what what sets him above? You know, we talk about Ovechkin's shot. We talk about this and that. And it's not just his speed. It's that he does a lot of his things. If you break down his game, is similar to other players. He shouldn't be that tier above necessarily, but it's that he does all of those things at a higher speed. He thinks the game at a higher speed. He can get off a shot at a speed, the same shot as, you know, X player, Mm -hmm. but doing it at, you know, a time and a half faster. And that's going to make everything harder. And you know what? It's controlled speed, you know, best, in my opinion, best sports book ever written, uh, Ken Dryden's The Game. He talks about how speed can be the greatest tool, but can also be a detriment because you have to control it. It can get a game out of control. 
Mm-hmm. And what's most impressive about McDavid's game to me is that it's all deliberate. That speed is so precise, so deliberate. You never see him just rolling around. Like I call that the uh, Michael Grabner effect. Oh my God. Stone hands Grabner. Stone hands Grabner. Just grabbing the puck. I'm trying to think in my head. I'm like, who's the guy who misses all those breakaways? Paul Byron before he came to Montreal and yeah, and Grabner. Just oh, oh we can talk about Byron later. But um, yeah. so let's stick with McDavid. I, I definitely agree. I think every time you see him break down the wing, it's it just puts everybody on their heels immediately. Because if you're not backpedaling as fast as you can, he's just going to blow by you. And we saw Alex Edler, who maybe isn't as good as he was four years ago. But Alex Edler is still probably one of the better defensive shutdown defensemen in the league, I think. And the way McDavid hit those breaks and Edler almost fell backwards trying to keep up before ripping that goal, there's no one else in the game who can do it. No, it's like you said, he thinks the game at such a high level. He sees the game at a high level. He is just without a doubt the best player in the world. I, it's, it's really fun to watch that skill level night in, night out. And I think that kind of stuff in the Canadian division, like you, you look at, or the North, the, the Scotiabank North division, we're all calling it the Canadian division, get over it, Scotiabank. Exactly. Uh, or now Manscaped, which is the official, uh, the official <laughs> grooming product for. The- I thought that wasn't true. I thought that was a joke. I no, 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 it's true. No way. It's the below the waist grooming partner of the Montreal Canadiens, which is a phrase that we get to say now. But um, I think I think watching McDavid, Drysaddle, Liney, Matthews, uh, you get to watch these guys all going at each other, you know, night in and night out. You know, I'm leaving a lot of good players off of that right there. Mm. You know, and then you watch goalies like you know Price. You look at Anderson. You look at Hellebuck. Like this is such a cool blend of talent going at each other. You know, it's fun to think about the original six era where you'd get to know teams that well, right? Mm -hmm. You're only playing five other teams and you learn how to play specific players. So specifically you mix that with today's advances in, in coaching in tactics in, in just general skill level. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see some really cool matchup based hockey. And I think that's what I think once it gets to the, the third game that Calgary plays Edmonton, are they just going to stick a check on McDavid the whole game? Are they just going to tell uh, someone like, I'm trying to think who, who would be a guy they could turn to? Kachuk's the only one I think of that would have a shot of stop, like slowing him down just because he's so physical. Mm. But it, it, like you said, it'll be interesting to see how teams adjust five games into playing the same team, six games into playing the same team. Will they adjust? Which teams won't? How, how will they do it? I think it's really going to show a lot of you know, frankly, coaching ability, which coaches are able to recognize those changes and make the adjustments needed. Absolutely. And I think one thing that's going to be interesting to watch how coaches handle is rookies coming into this environment, you know, because it's, it's baptism by fire, right? Like you're, you're going in there. I, I'm interested to see like, who are some rookies for you that you have either seen pop already, or you think are really going to come into the, to the and like dominate? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Tim Stutzel, I'm really excited to see. Yeah, yeah, like that's probably he got his umlaut. He got his umlaut on his. Yeah. He's gonna get that umlaut for the correct spelling. So that's a win already for the guy. That is a big one. I'm just excited to see what he has to do. That's probably the player I'm most excited about in the North Division, just in terms of interest level. As a rookie, or level. 
but uh, I think that's, that's my main guy. Who are you? Uh, I, you know, uh, I think I was very happily surprised by Alex Romanov. Mm. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of hype and, and we talked about it last week. I, yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever seen an organization like the Canadians uh, hype up a prospect this much mm-hmm. internally. And man, it was wild to see it, uh, you know, a rookie defenseman act like he'd been in the league for 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, that stretch pass uh, to, to Tatar for that power play goal to grab his first point, but also just a lot of really smart little things. I think, you know, he's definitely going to do some damage in there. I think it's going to be an interesting year for, for rookies coming in. Um, I think be, be, I'm, I like to watch what Romanov did those first, that first game. I'm not quite ready to it. Like, you know, anoint him quite yet because we did see what happened for Ryan Paling with that hat trick and then nothing else. At the same time, I think by the time we get to mid-February, everything will be pretty much set in terms of who's for real, who is on a hot streak, because by then half the season's going to be done. Yep. It's it's crazy. We have 56 games. Mm-hmm. It's quick, and they're going to be really condensed. Things are going to move quick. Um. I'm interested. There's a couple second-year players I, I want to watch, uh, or, or maybe not just second-years, but younger guys. You know, in Edmonton, we talked about uh, we didn't get to talk about Kyler Yamamoto, yeah, a little bit, who had a really hot start uh, when he came into the league, and we'll see if that can keep going. Nick Suzuki is looking like a monster to start the year. Um, oh yeah, really great, just like 200-foot game, but just so smart in the offensive zone too. Uh, I think you know playing with Anderson and Drouin, that's going to be a fun line to watch this year. Um, I think that you know, uh, you know. Talk about Nick Robertson, if he, if he can get some time in with Toronto, you know, there's a lot of, of hope for him over there as a rookie, uh, mm-hmm. talented young goal scorer. So I think there's, there's, that's the fun part, I think, for the North, one of the fun parts. I'm so excited about this division. There's a lot of, you know, older, like elder statesmen that are, are going to be playing this, like bruising, I've played you for years kind of game and just getting each other's face. Young guys getting into rivalries, new rivalries that I think are going to start. You know, Toronto and Montreal have been fun games the last, say, two years when, but both teams being good at the same time and, and potentially playing in the playoffs, that's where a rivalry gets rebuilt, you mm-hmm. know, because I think I don't, it's kind of died down in the last number in the last, you know, decade or so Toronto was bad for quite a while and Montreal wasn't great. And then there was fun games when they were both kind of on the upswing, but like, and I find you know, those games are always close though. That's the fun of it. The games are always close and they're going to keep you close this year. I think the one team that, and I wonder I that I can't quite peg yet, for lack of a better word, is Winnipeg. It's well, I mean, it's it's gonna be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't trust that defense. I don't trust the defense. You don't trust uh Neil Pionk and Sammy Niku? Pionk didn't man, I I was surprised to look at how many points put Pionk put up last year. Mm-hmm. He's but just like Hellebuck's gonna have to do a hell of a job if they if they want to make the playoffs. And yeah. I think oh, oh yeah. I think half the fun of this division is that anyone can make the playoffs here. I agree. I don't even, I mean, the only team I would probably put money on missing it would be Ottawa. Yeah, that's a fair bet. But even then, I wouldn't put that much money on it. Who are your four? Who are your four? My four making it? I gave my four last week. Toronto, Montreal, Calgary, Vancouver. We have one difference in ours. You say Edmonton? I say Edmonton over Vancouver. I, think, I, just like, I just like Vancouver as a team. I like watching them. I, mean, I, d- I just don't think they improved from last year. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I, I think love Pedersen so much. I love Besser a lot. 
I think Quinn Hughes is amazing. I think Hughes will be a top three defenseman in this league at some point. Um, Yeah, I I agree. I I would almost, I would almost, Hughes and McCarr is an interesting debate that always comes up because, you know, they're going to be linked for their careers. Yeah. But I, I could see Hughes having a better career. Oh, I like, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I think they're going to have very different careers. Um, I think McCarr is somebody who I cannot imagine Colorado ever letting go. Mm -hmm. While Hughes is someone I could see at some point wanting to move out if Vancouver does not improve significantly. And I think, well, you look at the defense that Colorado has and that they're building. Yeah. You know, it's, it's honestly just messed up. Gerard, Byram, like. Gerard, Byram, McCarr, Devin Taves. Yeah, Taves is in there as well. Uh, really good. Hughes is kind of, you know, they've got people around him, don't get me wrong, but he is, he is going for the clear number one, the clear, like, this is on you, which can help or hurt. You know, it all depends on the situation there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, I almost sneezed. Okay. There we go. Look at you. We're <laughs> strained. Okay. Day. I thought a nice little segment to kind of maybe – well, I mean, I don't have that much more about the North Division besides what we talked about. Is yeah. there anything else? No, I think we're. I think what's what's your I was, segment? Let's hear I was it. gonna bring it league wide for this one, and it, it's in the theme of starting the year off nicely, feeling good, reorganizing your life, and who better than that than Marie Kondo? So this segment's called "What Brings You Joy in the what Hockey World." Joy, and I'll, I'll start. I'll give my example of what brought me joy this week. And that was the systematic, executed assassination of Tony D'Angelo on Twitter. <laughs> oh. From him deactivating his account and going on that big rant, him going on Instagram, him going on Parler before it got taken down, seeing all the memes and all the, I think, year and a half of hockey Twitter just uniting around their mutual disrespect of this guy who has not earned any respect. Let's be clear. This is a guy who used racial slurs a lot. This is a guy who is openly, you know, conspiracy theorist, alt-right, likely guy. So I'm not feeling that bad for him. I will say I loved someone sent some screenshots on Parler. And just him unironically being like, yeah, I'd like to see the virus fight, play hockey or something like that. Like just oh, like, yeah. where you're like, this gotta be a troll. Like he's just gotta, there's no self-awareness. There's no and I think the karma of all that is him having to play with Jack Johnson, which is just Hilarious. a beautiful piece of work by the universe. I feel for Jack Johnson there. <laughs> that man's had it rough. <laughs> oh That's boy. Like... Yeah. I, think I don't know what Jack Johnson did to deserve that, but but it happened. But it, it happened. happened. That's that's a pairing that will exist for some time, I think. And it's yeah. also also real quick. I just want to apologize to all Haps fans because I am the one who jinxed that overtime goal oh, <laughs> against did, Toronto. Because I tweeted, <laughs> I tweeted during the third period when Nick Suzuki dangled Riley. I said Riley is one of the best defensemen in the league, but the trade off is that he gets absolutely dog walked like four times a year. And then he went and just scored a super nice overtime goal. So I apologize. That's on me. 
That's what happens when Paul Byron jumps on the bench during a two-on-one. <laughs> that was like Sergey Kostitsin levels. It was incredible. I understand that move. Hey, it happens though. It yeah. happens. Okay. What are some things that that brought, has brought you joy so far? I am going to go simple and cheesy here. Mm-hmm. Hockey is back and the product mm-hmm. is so good right from the start. There's no rust. I can watch games every night. Uh, I can enjoy this Canadian division we've been talking about. I know I'm gushing over it, but it's so much fun, <laughs> especially because I know it's it's like a one-time thing in theory. And that's going to be like, it's such a cool, I don't even want to say experiment, but experience to watch this. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't remember last time that I was this excited to watch hockey. So that brings me a lot of joy. Yeah, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> I think that uh, might be the end of this little podcast, episode two of the Nosebleeds. Dustin, where can people find you? find me on twitter at dustin k fleming it's one m in fleming where can they find you my friend same thing on twitter uh matthew underscore coit c-o-y-t-e you can check out the podcast on spotify apple music most spot of most podcast places which is kind of fun on anchor um yeah come check it out it's a good time we'll be doing this the whole season um unless the world ends which again very possible <laughs> we'll see you next week bye see you guys. bye